It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fattel of Z92.5 in Sportsnet, Michigan, with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina and Jared Fattel of Bally Sports Detroit. MSU does their part. They improved to 7-0. The Wolverines now need to t- take care of business on Saturday at the Big House to set up an epic Halloween Eve mega battle. The Lions... Oh my, hashtag since 57. Our team includes Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Now, gentlemen, I wanted to bring up something that happened to me last Friday night to start this catch-up portion. Okay, as you know, I do high school football on the radio here in mid-Michigan, and last Friday night was Chesanine and New Lothrop. You know, on paper, it looks like a pretty good matchup, but New Lothrop is just a dominant team. Well, the night didn't start off real well as uh, my signals got crossed in the scheduling, and I showed up at Chesanine and had been promoting it at Chesanine, and the game was at New Lothrop. We pull into the parking lot. No lights, nobody in the stands, no cars, and I said to Bart, I said, oh, man, I think I messed up. So, fortunately, Chesney and New Lothrop are pretty close by, so we made it to the press box in New Lothrop in the nick of time, got on the air, didn't miss a beat. That that was that was the good save. Now, I, I want to throw this out there for you guys to maybe get your input. We had, uh, well, actually, I got a call from the station manager on, I believe it was Tuesday evening. And he said, a listener had called station management complaining about me. He said, uh, you know, and he said that I was bragging about the new Lothrop facilities, that it was better than Chesanine's. Why didn't I mention Chesanine's JV whipping on new Lothrop? I was, oh my God. I was one-sided for new Lothrop. By the way, the final was 49 to 6. So I told the owner of our radio station, hey, I'll give the guy a call back, you know, and, and calm the situation down well i called the dude and 
He lit me. You know, you know how we talked a while back about what's going on in this world right now and the anger that is out there. Yeah. Okay. We had the guy that flipped me off and called me an mf'er at a restaurant a couple weeks ago. This guy completely lit me up for about five or six straight minutes, and I held the phone to my ear, was listening. You know, he was saying flat out lies, but I'm listening, listening, and finally, when he stopped to catch his breath, I said, "Okay, Charlie, I'll say is his name." I said, "Charlie, all right." Can you let me jump in here and maybe explain a few things? I said, listen, I have been doing this for 36 years. And first of all, it's a flat-out lie that you're telling me that I said New Lothrop's facilities are better in Chesanines. Now, I'm a very positive guy. You know, I, I, I say positive things about wherever we're broadcasting from. And, Jared, you you know that from sitting in with me. So, Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's even saying that, Considering if you take a look at New Oldham's field and compare it to Chesapeake's brand new turf <laughs> field, it's preposterous that he's even claiming this. Oh, I agree. I agree. So I let you know. I let him roll through, and I, like I said, I finally jumped in, calmed things down. And when it all came to the end of the conversation. You know, he was talking civilly to me. We were we were buddies again, and he said, "You know what, Ted? Frankly, I've had a pretty rough couple of weeks at work. I've had some real tough things going on there. He actually owns a business, and he said his family had just gone through their his whole family at his house has just gone through COVID. So I figured, okay, I'll cut the guy a little bit of a break. But I just had to share that with you guys that you know it doesn't happen to me very often. The only time I get really criticized." And it's kind of in a in a teasing way because I went to Corona, so people have made comments to me, oh, you're for Corona or you're really showing your favoritism. You know, I, I really don't. I mean, there might be a game where I'm doing a Corona game, and it could be a little bit of me that's maybe a little bit more excited. But I, I think I show the excitement level in a close game pretty evenly killed. But uh, for this guy, he was completely offline, and it was just ridiculous. So I, I, I have that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but is it was Charlie uh, a Chesanine guy? Oh, for sure, for sure. So that that's why he was upset. If you were, I mean, it, it, I've listened to enough of your broadcasts and, and know you pretty well that you are, yeah, maybe with Corona games, like if it's an exciting one, you start to maybe show your Cavalier colors a little bit. But right. I'd say you're you're definitely not like uh, Hawk Harrelson, who used to call the White Sox games, you know, <laughs> or some of those. Some of those other old school radio guys who are like 100% show no energy toward you know one side or the other. I think you're like you said you're you're pretty down the middle, positive about either school or whatever. But yeah. I kind of I think Jared was kind of alluding to it or laughing about it too. Like, but you can also be honest about it too. And if New Lothrop's facilities, which they are, spectacular, it's okay to say that. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like I don't know. Like, or if, if one school is dominant like New Lothrop is right now, their football program is one of the best in the state, or in the state, it's okay to point that out. And if Chesanine's a little down, it's okay to, like, be honest about things. Sometimes I think people, like, so if this guy was kind of going through some stuff, okay, he was having a rough time. But sometimes people don't like to hear that honesty, I think. Oh, I agree with you. And, you know, two other examples came up. You guys have seen what I've done for homework you know, for a high school broadcaster, I mean, I, I think I do a fair share of homework before a game in, in my prep. Uh, he said, well, you didn't talk about Chesanine's JV team 
destroying New Lothrop the night before. <laughs> and I go, yeah, you're right. I didn't, I didn't say that, but, you know, maybe you don't realize this, but I actually have a full-time job. My radio gig is just a part-time thing, and I only have so many hours to, to come up with stuff to talk about. And then the other thing, this is the final thing I'm going to bring up about it. You know, he said I was bragging up uh, New Lothrop's coaches more than Chesanine's. Well, if you just, I mean, I'm not dissing on Chesanine's whatsoever, but I was bragging up Clint Galvis and with good reason, right? I mean, two state right. championships and the best coach our area has seen in a long, long time. Well, listen, there was no, I'm, I'm impressed that you even felt the need to call this guy and hear him out, but there was nothing to be won on that, that phone call conversation. He's literally trying, like, it just makes no sense, trying to make, it's not like it's 50-50 coverage. It's like Matt said, it's storyline is, that's what you roll with. You don't just say, oh, we got to talk about Chesaning for an hour and a half, and then we got to talk about Nulopa for an hour and a half. There's nothing to talk about with Chesaning. Right. There's nothing. And nobody knows what the heck's going on over there. It's, it's nothing to write home about, that's for damn sure. Well, yeah, and the bottom line is, you know, I mean, we're offering a service, and, and you guys both talked about it. I mean, I, I, you got to tell it like it is. I mean, you can't sugarcoat a 49-6 to mercy game in the second half. I mean, it's, it is what it is. So uh, that was my excitement for the week. We'll just leave it there. The saddest part about that is just the fact that he was ragging or raving about this JV team that beat Chesney, or that beat New Oldrup. They will get mercied by New Oldrup in a couple of years. That's a promise. <laughs> Yeah, unless they just all of a sudden turn it on, I guess. Sometimes it's funny that you say that. I was thinking the other day, you know, because I know Corona's JV team is doing really well right now. Yeah. You know, other schools, sometimes you hear about JV freshmen or JV teams. They haven't lost since eighth grade or, you know, you hear some of those stories. And then, like, they just don't develop when they get up to varsity. Or sometimes they really do, and it turns out, you know, to come to fruition or whatever. So, so yeah, who knows how that's going to go. But talking about all this, I was going to ask you guys, and I brought up Hawk Harrelson. Um, I, that, I think that's actually you, – you're kind of like the Hawk Harrelson of mid-Michigan high school sports, Ted. And I think that – I was thinking about that. You got that voice and everything. But um, how do you guys feel about, like, you're talking about favoritism with, you know, you're a chronic Cavalier guy and stuff like that. I know, like, the old, the old school unwritten rule that for a broadcaster, whether you're, like, a TV anchor, sports anchor, calling radio, TV, you know, whatever you're doing. You're not supposed to show your bias. Even if you went to the University of Michigan and you're calling a Michigan game, you're not supposed to show that fandom or whatever. How do you guys feel about that? Because, like, yeah, like it's one thing if you're like Hawk Harrelson, I keep bringing him up, but, like, when you're calling a White Sox game and the Tigers hit a walk-off home run and you just, like, don't say a word for five minutes as the Tigers are, like, celebrating on the field, okay, maybe that's a little extreme. But I always, like, I'm on the side of, like, we're all sports fans. Especially like you said, you you went to a Corona game, or you went to a Corona. So if you're calling a Corona game, yeah, you're going to have a little bit of excitement about that. Sometimes I think like people try to take like the fandom out of it. We are all sports fans. We we went to certain schools. We've watched certain schools or whatever our whole lives. I think it's okay to show bring let the fandom out a little bit. Yeah, nowadays I feel like nowadays you a lot of like I know who like pretty much every ESPN or Fox Sports like personnel. I know who they're like fans of. It's kind of cool. I like it. They, and what I feel like they always say is pretty much like, it's all right if I'm a fan, if I'm biased, I just have to be open in my bias. And I think Ted always does right. that when he is calling Corona games. He always says, you know, I might be a little bit heavier for Corona. You know, I'm a Corona football alum. So I think as long as you kind of point out your biases, I don't think there's a problem with it at all. Yeah, you know, and I, I've kind of come a little bit full circle because when I first started out my career, 
I was strictly the radio voice of Corona Cavalier Sports. And it's the same way in college football, you know, or, or basketball. I mean, guys like Bob Eufer, Frank Beckman, when they broadcast the uh, University of Michigan or George Blaha, you would expect them to be a homer, right? I mean, you still got to call the okay. game both ways, but you would expect them to be a homer. And I was definitely uh, more of a homer for Corona when I started out just being the voice of the Cavaliers. But as a, as we became more regional, and it's the same thing with network broadcasters, even though what you're saying is true, Jared, they still play it pretty straight down the center for the most part for the casual listeners that are fans for both schools. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think so for the most part. And the, the name that comes to mind is Jared's guy, Gus Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's People people give him flack because he's a Michigan guy, so they think like when he's you know calling Michigan games or whatever. Like Mike Tirico, um has lived in Ann Arbor. I don't. I guess I don't know if he currently still does, but at least used to live in Ann Arbor. So like when he would call Michigan games, people would say, "Oh, Tirico's such a homer for Michigan." <laughs> but I don't know. When I listen, maybe maybe it's because I'm a Michigan fan. I don't see it, but you know maybe if you're a Michigan State fan, when Michigan's whooping up on the Spartans. You don't like Gus Johnson calling the game or something. But I th- I agree with you, Ted. I think most national guys are pretty down the middle. Yeah, and even you throw out Herb Street in that mix. You you know he's a Buckeye. You can kind of read between the lines on some of the comments he makes in his commentary or or his social media. is Social media is all out there. He's all Buckeyes for the most part. But when he does a ball game, even though he's a Buckeye and former quarterback there, he does, I think, about as good as you can do going down the middle when he calls a game. Yeah. He does, I, and that's like what Christ knows. Like whenever people, they will just find stuff to complain about, yeah. no matter what. This guy complaining about this chestnutting of their game, it's no different. Herb Street is as down the middle as they come, and every time Ohio State plays, if you search Kirk Herb Street and he's calling the game, people are bitching about it. It's just, it's just how yeah. people are wired. Yeah. Well, how about you guys? Like, What's it, been going on with you? I was just, so, real quick. I was just going to say it's. It's kind of like on game day when Desmond Howard, uh, you know, they do their game picks at the end, and he, like, basically always picks Michigan. Right. Even even in the Ohio State game, sometimes we're like, ah, Des, I don't know. I don't know if he should be picking Michigan in this one, but he still does. He's got to now, right? I mean, <laughs> wouldn't it be blasphemous if he didn't pick the Wolverines? Right, because yeah. then that would be the year that they win. Right. <laughs> right. He's got to keep picking them every year. I, I respect it. Yep. Uh, for me, this uh, yesterday, actually, a pretty cool opportunity where I was able to tag along uh, and help shoot. So the game we're doing on Friday is Southfield A&T, which is a school that just started up in 2016 versus uh, River Rouge. And a lot of people probably, Ted, your age, you probably remember River Rouge as a big-time basketball school back in the day. Lofton Green. But, yep. Yep, yep. But when uh, – so Coach Corey Parker took over River Rouge back in uh, 2009. was his very first year. And in that year, they basically, it was, River Rouge was pretty much on its dying leg, basically about to close. I mean, pretty much a Division Five school. Uh, in the last 11 or 12 years since he's been there, they've, like, tripled their enrollment. They have basically moved all the way up to Division Three, And the school is now, it was, like, millions in debt when he got there. Now they're, like, not even in debt anymore. He's done an incredible job. And what he pretty much does for them, he, one, he's a head football coach. Two, he's the athletic director. Three, he's the dean of students. Four, he also has uh, an advocate for students. Uh, is also one of his titles. So, and we had the opportunity to be able to follow this guy around all day, uh, just in one of his typical days. Starts at 6 a.m. There's a gas station right across the street from River Rouge High School where it used to be a really bad spot um, when he first got there where, you know, gang violence would, would be happening there. Kids would be skipping school and, like, going to this gas station and then never going back to school afterwards. So he starts his morning every every 
every single morning, 6.30 a.m., he gets a coffee from this gas station and stands out front. And it's where the bus drops off kids, and he makes sure that everyone gets to class. And then from there, he's, like, on the move the rest of the day. I mean, he's, he is – when he has these titles, athletic director and, you know, dean of students, he's doing them. You know, it's not just some made-up title just to make you feel better about him or something. No, he's legitimately doing these. And what's crazy is those are jobs that are literally normally three or four people that he's doing in one. I mean, Corona has an athletic director, you know, head coach, everything. Every school generally does. And he's just able to do all this stuff. And it's, it was just impressive to me watching him because he's, he's always on. You know, one of those guys that's just like full of energy, almost like a P.J. Fleck type of uh, coach going crazy on the sidelines during games. And the kids just love him. And I was just really impressed with him because you talk about – I always like to think when I'm like at these schools or I'm talking to these head coaches, if do I think I could do a pretty good job of like what they're doing? I tell you, what, I think he, with everything that goes into being a River Rouge head football coach, you know, a lot of the kids come from, you know, tough situations. Everything that goes into being the head coach there, I really do think he has the toughest job in the state. And I think pound for pound, he does the most just coaching and what he does to ensure that these kids are not only like, you know, winning football games and winning state titles, but they're going out of the next level. I mean, he's got guys playing, starting at Clemson, winning ACC uh, Defensive Player of the Week. He's got guys at every single school, it seems like, across the country. I, the funniest thing I thought was on his desk, he had like a, 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 a like little business card of all the different like recruiters. I kid you not, this thing had like probably 400 cards in there. On top was like an Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio State one by chance. But wow. I just was, I just overall, I was just really impressed. And the feature that we're going to be having come out on Friday for the game is, is going to be really cool. And if you don't know about this guy's story, I just would tell everybody that you need to tune into it. Quick question for me. Is it is it planned to be run at pregame or halftime? So it runs at halftime uh, every week. And okay. then it's also posted, uh, as soon as it airs at halftime, it's posted on all the different social media sites. It's only five minutes. Uh, it's like a little mini feature that we do. Uh, you know, just whatever the biggest story is that week. No, that's definitely cool. And it, it's kind of like getting me back thinking about when I used to do basically what you're doing and you're kind of even if like you said even if you didn't know much about the story or whatever going into it you you meet the person or you know whatever the story is you kind of get involved and you kind of start feeling like you're a part of the story and then you shoot the video you start editing it you meet the person you do all these interviews and you kind of like get to know these people and you put this together and yeah sometimes you come across these ones that are memorable I mean I bet you're going to remember this one the rest of your life I have I don't know, three, four, or five stories that I did when I was in local news and stuff that I'm going to remember the rest of my life, too. So, yeah, it's really cool to, like, hear you doing that. And you said, you said like, he has a, maybe one of the hardest jobs in the state as far as a football coach. And I was thinking about it as you were saying that, like, in addition to everything else that he's doing. And I was thinking, like, it probably, it definitely probably is one of the hardest because he puts in that effort. You know, I was trying to think, like, you know, there's probably right. some people who would have that job, and because of the situation, because of the school, maybe because of some of the all the stuff you were describing, and eh, they'd kind of mail it in. You know, they'd be all right going three and six every year, just making sure they feel that a team, you know, stuff like that, not really right. care. But because you got a guy like him who truly cares, loves his job, loves the kids, loves the school and the community, yeah, like bringing it up to that, you know, takes it to a different level. And like you said, it. The results are there. Right? They got players all over the state at Power Five, some of the best programs in the country. So, no, it, that's definitely a cool story. Yeah, it, it, it was awesome. I mean, I, I was exhausted just following <laughs> this guy around. I mean, he started his day at 6 a.m. and it didn't leave the football field after practice until 8:15. You know, it's just it's type it's guys like that that make.
they, they're unsung heroes. I, I, you hear it all the time that some of the best coaches in the country are at the high school level, and you know maybe just because somebody is a college coach doesn't mean that they're you know the best coach in the world. And I really do think that this guy is he's not a hidden gem because college coaches colleges are calling him all the time, but just somebody to keep an eye on. You know maybe somewhere down the road at the next level, or just if he stays at Rouge and just keeps winning state titles year after year. You know why he is winning those titles, because he is really the hardest working coach I've seen in a long time. Well, you know, and I just throw out the word coach. This is a top-notch individual, and Matt, you touched upon it a little bit. The effort that he puts into it, it's it, it, that's the difference between being a winner or a loser, not just on the field, but in life in general. Here I am getting a little philosophical, but really, you know, that's what we need more of in this in this country that we're in. You know, I started this whole thing off with all this anger that's going on and has nothing really to do with effort. But if everybody out there put the time and effort like this dude does on a daily basis, if they just did that in their day-to-day life, just think how much better everything would be. I think it's something that's like, it's all about perspective, because he could have he could have a, a down-in-the-dumps perspective because of maybe some of the situations that are going on with some of the kids and families that he's mm-hmm. involved in, but he knows there's like a there's a bigger goal, you know, because, you know, you think about like the kid playing at Clemson or all the other kids that are all over like, if they had a coach who really didn't care, you, you have to wonder, like, where would their lives be going? But because they have a coach who truly cared or does care, um, their, their lives are completely changed. And, yeah, it, it's, you know, when you meet people like that or, you know, sometimes, like, you see on TV, you see an interview, or, like, I'm going to watch this, so I'm going to see the, the interviews with him. You know, you, you kind of see, like, why they are where they are. Like, you always hear, like, some of these people are, like, wired differently. Yeah, and you know, I think we're all we, you know, we're all driven, you know, mm-hmm. successful, and right. Jared, you're, you know, get, you know, you're doing a lot of good things coming up out of college and everything, and but then there you see, and it, it's not a knock on any of us, but then you see people who are on like a different level, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, like what comes to mind is I like, I think I've talked about it. I, I like to watch the show Shark Tank, mm-hmm. and sometimes the people who are on Shark Tank. They'll talk about, like, oh, this is the third business that I've started. You know, I started blah, blah, blah company, and I sold it for $5 million. Or I started this company, and then I sold it for $10 billion. You know, whatever it is. But now right. I'm on my fifth company, and they're about to sell it to these sharks, like Mark Cuban and all these other guys. And I just sometimes think, like, oh, my God, dude, these people, they're just different. They just have a different mindset. They have a different, like, drive or whatever. And it sounds like that's basically what this guy is. Yeah, Coach Bar. I mean, Matt, you hit it right in the head. I mean, I left there, like – energized and like motivated and inspired <laughs> this is how I would describe it sort of from watching them that you know it's just very cool and like I said I'll just throw it out there pitch it one more time uh this weekend it'll be dropping on Friday uh seven o'clock halftime feature uh coach Corey Parker River Rouge basically a day in the life of what he does and I, I think a lot of people will be kind of really impressed with him now that'll be on Bally Sports Plus this Friday I'm assuming Yep, Valley Sports Plus this Friday on all social medias uh, right thereafter. Awesome. Well, definitely, if you're out and about or at a game and you don't have social media, set your DVR like us old-timers do. But uh, I was going to ask you one other question, Jared. Periodically, I do like to check in, see how things are going, what's the the behind-the-scenes things. We talked a little bit about, you know, your experiences this season in being a part of the high school football games on Bally Sports. And uh, as I mentioned off microphone, I mean, really, you guys are just 
doing a tremendous job quality wise. Uh, you know, you got good talent doing the games. Uh, the 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 video quality is just outstanding, high def. I was watching it actually this morning while I was doing some work on my computer, and I was just uh, amazed how well it is produced. You know, we all know about. You know, Ford Field, you have all the facilities there. But when you're going to all these different high school games, it obviously presents a challenge. But, uh, you know, kudos to the Bally sports team. I think you guys are doing a great job. No, you're the second person that told me that about the, the camera work, where it, I think it's just because it's like, it's you know, like college football, camera angles and camera operators shooting a high school football game. And it just sort of, it just seems like wacky. It takes you out of it. It makes it feel like it's a college football game. It does. Uh, it's really, it's really cool, but no, I, I just think it's, it's awesome. And for people that, you know, I've got the opportunity to go to all these different places week after week, but it's, it's really cool to showcase a lot of these schools and their traditions and their facilities and their story that you just would never know about. You'd never know. I would never know about Traverse City Central and Traverse City West. Like that's a game that would never ever be on my radar. But I went there and then I just thought, man, what a scene this is. This is like a college football, you know, Division One atmosphere here at this game. It's just crazy. And, and every week there's been something like that. Even going to like Frankenmuth, you know, where they're running the inside beer, and you just see how meticulous their head coach is. You know, in the pregame walkthroughs and at the practice when we go to it, and it's just it's just eye opening. I mean, and what's cool about it is you go to all these different schools see all these different coaches all of them successful and they all do it their own special way and it's just really cool to see so so in your short career so far there at Bally, are you enjoying probably these high school games about at top of the list right now your involvement i would say so i mean all three of us were high school football guys to our heart yeah. uh and you know there's just something so pure about it <laughs> that i just i just really appreciate and and they're so open about you know everything like even the coach letting us follow it follow him around all day yesterday and the players and the coaches like they're just so excited for you to be there that they'll they're open books whereas when you know you're interviewing pro players or you know college players there's a lot more closed up just because they've done it so many times so i guess that's probably the coolest part about it is i mean i think about it imagine matt if your guys one of your guys games your senior year was broadcast on valley you know you guys were a really really good team but you just had a bad draw and never made it to Ford Field, you know, maybe you guys could have if you were in a different district. So I feel like it just gives a lot of those type of teams, you know, their their moment of, of like, spot in the sun, uh, for example, if that makes sense. No, yeah, it, de- it definitely does. And that's something that, you know, I've, I've worked in counting college, and then when I worked in local news, I've worked in, I guess, the media world for, I don't know, going but over 15 years now, not not up to Ted's level yet, but I'm I'm past you know like approaching 20 years anyway. So I kind of you know I've that's been my career, that's been my life after school. So I I, I stand up for media. You know the media takes a lot of flack and for, and for good reason. You know if you watch news and all these stupid news channels, you know I, I understand why some people just like blame the media for everything. But I always say like there's still so much value in what the media can bring and like stuff like this is exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be sports. Sometimes it's news stories. Sometimes it's like small businesses that get showcased on the news or, you know, something like that. But definitely, like you said, because we all love high school football so much or just high school sports in general, stories like this is like is what it's all about. And I, I don't know, it's, it's something that hearing you talk about it, it starts like getting like the, the blood boiling of being like, man, you know, I, I do really miss doing stories like that because, you know, we're, we're – I get to cover the NBA and, like, produce games and like that. That's stuff that I never thought I would be doing. I never dreamed I'd be doing a Lakers game or whatever for ESPN. But, you know, while that is really cool, 
showcasing some of these schools like Frankenmuth or like River Rouge and doing these kind of stories and getting involved like that, it's so cool. And without you guys doing that, thousands of people would never hear this story, and maybe their lives will change because they heard it too. So it's really cool. Awesome. Well, before we get to some college football talk, boys, a little uh, high school playoff just to get you up to speed. Division 5, Corona number 26. They, they're on the bubble. They need a win against Ovid Elsie, and that's our game of the week this week. Ovid Elsie is number 20 in Division 6. They're probably in even with a loss. Duran's sitting at number 29 also in Division 6. How about Division 7? I mean, you got Puamo Westphalia, number 5, New Lothrop, number 10, Montrose, number 12, and Ithaca, number 22. Probably the best division in high school, at least in our area. And, uh, you know, Morris, uh, they're number five in eight-player football, but they're definitely a state championship contender. You know, my work is through nine games because the playoffs, that's all gravy. That's really when it becomes fun. I mean, it's fun regular season too, but uh, it's, it's going to be fun here seeing what happens after week nine and uh, Selection Sunday, by the way, on Bally Sports coming up on uh, Sunday afternoon, but 5.30, a little earlier time than we're used to. So is it basically for for Karana win and get in? Is that kind of what they're looking at? Yeah, if they win, they're in. There's no doubt. If they lose, they're still on a bubble. They're going to be somewhere around 32, 33, and it's the top 32 teams by points in all eight divisions of 11 player football. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's win or get in for Karana. I mean, I really yep. It's what a roller coaster season they've had. You know, yes. I, from a couple of weeks ago where it was pretty much a sure thing they were getting in to now it. You know, 50-50, they got to pretty much win out uh, and beat Ovid LC to get in. What a story. Here's one wild one that's kind of I just have to throw out there to keep an eye on. Castec, arguably the most talented team in the entire state, other than Martin Luther King, who they've lost to twice, mm-hmm. is now 5-3 and three, heading into the last game. And it's, it's a tough matchup. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But basically how it might lay out, they are going to go 5-4, and four, and it's very likely that they are not going to make playoffs as basically the bet, one of the second-best team in the state, just because of how the schedule aligned. They lost two games to MLK. They lost another one to an out-of-state team. Uh, and now it's basically shaping up where arguably the best team in the entire state is just not even going to be in the playoff picture. So that's just something to keep an eye on heading into Selection Sunday. All right. High school football, we love it. Well, we also love college football, and we're going to get some chit-chat about that great game coming up right after this. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. 
JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him 3 Point Podcast sent you. All right, well, we're a week away from a potential 7-0 and Michigan, 7-0 and Michigan State. Michigan State did their part. They downed Indiana 20-15. to It wasn't easy, but it was a road win by the Spartans. And, uh, you know, now Michigan, they just cannot look past Northwestern. You know, I'm a little bit concerned. Not necessarily that they shouldn't win, but when I happen to look at the, the betting line today, and we'll ask Jared, our resident uh, Las Vegas bookie, Michigan comes into this game 23-and-a-half-point favorite, at least on one of the charts I looked at. What do we think about that? I'll say this real quick before Jared gets into the, the line there. I am happy that this game is at the big house because if it happened to be at Northwestern, especially if it happened to be a night game, mm-hmm. I mean, we remember, we remember a couple of years ago, 2018, when you know Chase Winovich and those guys were on the revenge tour, but all of a sudden found themselves down 17-0. to at Northwestern, they ended up coming back to win. But, no, so a definite trap game. You already know Michigan State's sitting there on a bye. They're 7-0, and just gearing up for the, you know, the, the game on Halloween Eve. Michigan, I, it seems like there's a different focus with this team, but it's, it has all the writing on the wall to be a trap game. So the first thing I think is I'm glad it's at the big house. Hopefully the home crowd keeps them in it. If they do end up getting down or something, keeps them in it, and they just take care of business. Yeah, it's scary to me. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not too worried about Northwestern. It's one of those games where I feel like Michigan's either going to win it by 40 or it's gonna they're going to win it by a last-second field goal at the, at the very end. I don't think there's any in-between, really. Uh, so as for the line at 23-and-a-half, I mean, where is Northwestern? They have really fallen off a cliff this year. And uh, you talk about one game that would really make their season right. I mean, we saw last week with Purdue versus Iowa. They're going to give Michigan everything they've got. Uh, so Michigan's got to come ready to play, and hopefully they didn't read too much into their press clippings over the bye week before heading into the Michigan State game. And hopefully they don't overlook a Northwestern because that's the only way Northwestern stays in this game is that Michigan came into this game, you know, two full of themselves, didn't really give it a full great week of preparation for Northwestern, had their eyes on Michigan State. Uh, that's the only way I see this game being close at all. Yeah, one thing I did see this week that uh, Harbaugh gave them a couple days off, I think Friday and Saturday last week, they came back in to practice on Sunday afternoon or early evening. And from what I read, the team, and Matt, you've talked about it many times, I think we all have, the fault in the last few years with Michigan, not necessarily the coaches, there was a part there, but the players never stepped up. And from what I was going to lead into is it sounds like they came back after those couple days off completely focused on Northwestern, knowing what they got to do. So I think I don't think they'll look ahead. I mean, there's always that little bit in the back of your mind that you can't help it, knowing that State is 7-0, and but I think they'll come out ready to play against Northwestern. And, and perfect point, Matt, at the big house. Everybody's all upset about that noon kickoff, though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, I, I talk about perspective sometimes and like living in the moment, just enjoying the ride type of thing. And that's exactly what I would say. Hopefully Michigan gets by Northwestern, and they're also 7-0. and mm-hmm. So you're looking at Michigan and Michigan State, undefeated, both top 10, 
playing at Spartan Stadium. I mean, mm. are we really going to be mad about a noon kickoff? Like, I understand, you know, primetime games are cool because you got, you know, under the lights and maybe it's on ABC with Fowler and Herb Street. And, you know, you just got it, it's called primetime for a reason and primetime. But a noon kickoff, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm excited about a noon kickoff. Just get it over with right away. I don't have to watch all these other games. Noon kickoff, get the game over with. And I don't know. I, I just I laugh at the people who are, like, legitimately mad about a noon kickoff for that game. Uh, here's a, if I'm, As a Michigan fan, I'm glad it's a noon kick. I mean, yes. regardless of what people say, like, the crowd, the crowd yes, it's still going to be great. But there is something about these night games in the Big Ten that is treacherous. <laughs> and so I'm just glad that we're not – we're not going to Spartan Stadium at night. We're going there at noon. Booze isn't going to be too big of a factor at noon. It's still going to be a factor that's 100% sure for the fans, but not as big as it would be if it was a 7 o'clock game and they were tailgating all day. Right. Uh, but you guys don't think that there's, like, there's no part of you that kind of wishes this was a 3.30, you know, right in that perfect time slot, uh, right as the game's winding down, the sun's going down. I, I love that time slot for Michigan-Michigan State. I think noon's a little bit too early for me, to be honest. Yeah, if I had my preference, I'd probably agree with you, but I'm certainly, it doesn't matter in the whole scope of things, the noon kickoff. And actually, there's some pretty good games that day. I think Georgia plays Florida at 3.30, and I think Penn State plays Ohio State on ABC uh, Saturday night. So it's not like there's going to be a lack of football. And heck, after that noon kickoff, I might be able to get a nap in after we do our instant video. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, people people probably already read this and everything, but... The World Series is also that night, ah. and so it's on Fox. So that's going to be obviously the World Series is going to be at whatever seven or eight o'clock at night. So there was no chance that the game on Fox was going to be in prime time. And Fox wanted Michigan, Michigan State. You got a potential top ten matchup. That's what you want. So basically, noon was the only option for the game, unless they wanted to give it to ABC, and they weren't about to do that. So I mean, you, I, I, maybe a little bit of a TV nerd, especially when it comes to stuff that involves ESPN or whatever, I would have loved to have been in those meetings when you got the Fox head honchos, you got the CBS, you know, because they've got the Florida-Georgia game, and then you got the ESPN people arguing basically over times and everything like that. For me, I think that would have been really interesting to hear, see like what the pitch is for everything. But noon game, all that matters is Michigan's got to get past Northwestern, and that's going to be the word epic is overused. But that is that will be just an absolutely epic matchup for sure. It will be. Is there where are you guys like in terms of your confidence meter heading into that game? One to ten, where's it at? I'm at like a six right now. I don't know. I just keep having these nightmare flashbacks of the skill position players from Michigan State and Panyushuk. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, <laughs> like uh, team photo of Panyushuk, but he has like a bicycle mustache and like a afro or a, a mawak. <laughs> Looks like one scary dude. He's, he's a bit of a wild card uh, from the looks of it. But I don't know. Something about it. I just got a really bad feeling about this game. He's having a hell of a year, and I'll just answer your question. My confidence level, I'm at 50%. I mean, it's at East Lansing, and they're both really, really good quality teams. I, I don't have any confidence. I think Michigan can win, but I'm certainly not putting a ton of money on it. We, we know with this game, the Michigan-Michigan State game, nothing that happened the rest of the season really matters. Michigan State could be winless coming into this game, and maybe they pull an upset. But Michigan State hasn't played anyone. None of their wins are over anyone who's over 500. So common opponents and other opponents that both teams have played, Michigan's played a little bit of a tougher schedule. So like, if you want to think about stuff like that, you know, coming into that game, maybe that's what might you know, make your confidence rise a little bit for Michigan. 
But I, I'm kind of with you guys. I'd probably be at a six, kind of like what you said, Jared. I'm not 50-50 because I still think Michigan maybe is a little bit of the better team. But like I kind of said, with this game, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the whole snap happened. Home ever field. Since, I mean, I, I kind of felt this way before. But ever since trouble with the snap happened, mm. I will never believe Michigan wins that game until those clocks hit zero and they've got more yep. points than Michigan State. <laughs> That's a yeah, this, it would not shock me if this turns out to be another like 2015 heartbreak. Uh, it's not going to be to the same level that that game was, but it, it's just building up the same exact way that that game, that game did. It's almost like deja vu or Groundhog's Day. Uh, but the only good news we have, at least, is even if we do lose this game, uh, Mel Tucker could be on his <laughs> way to Baton Rouge. He's number one on their list. I mean, that's legitimate sources are saying that they want this guy in Baton Rouge. Before we get to that, like, what do you guys think about Coach Orgeron and <laughs> that whole story, where basically it's coming out that he was inviting girlfriends to practice and having their sons like run through drills and all this other sort of messy stuff that somehow, some way, after winning a, a national title two years ago, he's already been fired. I, it's just, it's my, that's like a new record. Yeah, it was, it was one of the craziest falls from grace that we've seen. I mean, the dude a couple of years ago, people were thinking he was going to be maybe not on Saban's level at Alabama, but, you know, he was going to be up there at LSU, and he just completely fell off the map. But the thing is, if you really take a step back and, like, look at it, I don't think anyone should really be surprised. He was really not a good coach anywhere else that he went. He just kept getting shots because – he kind of had that, like, hot name, you know, all the potential was there. Got that voice, he too. Hit on, he had Joe Burrow in one of the best offenses college football has ever seen. And, you know, they went on a hell of a run, and, and that team was incredible. But, see, we don't have to, like, dig into this stuff. They have a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes with, like, allegations about a lot of stuff going on with former players. He himself personally has some legal stuff going on that is yet to be resolved. And then also the team stinks. So I think, yeah. like – like yeah, I've seen people say like if LSU was undefeated right now, he he would probably definitely still have his job. But because LSU is kind of falling apart, there's a ton of legal stuff around the team and the program and himself. I think they all just kind of looked at each other and like you know what, let's just let's be happy about that title we won a couple of years ago and let's just move on. Well, you you were teeing it up early there, Jared. If you're Mel Tucker and they truly do come at you with a big offer, does Michigan State counter that? Uh, you know what? What's your gut feel? Would he really take, uh, you know, leave Michigan State after a couple of years and head down to Baton Rouge? Is it that much better of a job, or what are you thinking? Here's one I'll say to that. You know how much Coach O is getting paid after the season? Sixteen million dollars. Oh, that's it, a good reason. It's just a whole other ball game in terms of the money deal. Yeah, uh, and everything. In SEC, I mean, Mel Tucker's a young coach. He just got to Michigan State. We've seen Michigan State. <laughs> do this before, Nick Saban, right from Michigan State to LSU at the pipeline. Mm-hmm. It's almost like LSU just waits for Michigan State to get a good coach just so they can poach him. I, I don't know. How do you not think about it, man? LSU has the best atmosphere, best field. The money there is crazy. The fans love it. it you know, they literally devote their Saturdays to LSU football. And compared to Michigan State where it's not even the biggest school in the state for football. So I, I just, how do you not, you know, at least hear LSU out if they're coming to try to recruit you. The one thing, too, that I always think about with Michigan State, and, you know, Mark Antonio, Ted, you've, you've said a number of times that he's the best football coach that Michigan State's ever had, mm-hmm. but he still 100% played second fiddle to Tom Izzo. 
and it doesn't matter. As long as Tom Izzo is at Michigan State, if Mel Tucker wins the Big Ten this year, he's still going to be beneath Tom Izzo. If Mel Tucker goes to LSU, he is basically the king of that state. I mean, he is, he goes right up to the top of the, the person that everyone in that state is looking at to lead the Tigers to another national title. And the thing is, is yeah, the money, Michigan State can probably throw a ton of money at him, but will they? You know, I don't know. Do they want to pay their football coach that much money? Like you said, Jared, the SEC, they don't care. They'll, they'll, pay, their, they'll pay their football coaches whatever they want. So the, the money thing will be interesting to see. But the other thing, too, like the last basically, whatever, 15, 20 years, you think about who's won a national title in college football. Obviously, Saban, Clemson, you think about Ohio State. Two of those are LSU, though. Les Miles won a title, and then Ed Orgeron won a title. This isn't me being a Michigan fan. Do we really think Michigan State's going to win a national title in the next few years? You know, maybe. But if you, like, have Mel Tucker, you know, as a good coach, if you take that down to LSU with the recruiting pipeline like you were talking about with the SEC resources and everything, you'd have to think. There's no way he cannot even – he cannot at least think about going down there. And we also know – he said that he was committed to Colorado, and then five minutes later he was on a plane to East Lansing. So I wouldn't be shocked if he left. No, and I, I agree, too, that you know that there's a lot of money to be offered if they're indeed looking at him as the candidate. Uh, it's, he, he has to listen. He has to listen, and then he has to, at, at the end of the day, he has to look at what's best for him and his family. What's the difference between $12 million and $18 million? Okay, that's a lot of money. But if he, if he looks overall – and he goes to LSU and he has, you know, three or four successful years but ends up like Ogeron, would he be better off long-term staying at somewhere like Michigan State, solidly putting a, a Big Ten championship contending team together every once in a while, kind of run a program like like uh, Iowa's, you know, be 9-3, and three, you know, 8-4 and four once in a while, 10-2 and two, with that 20-year run. you you got to consider all those factors, don't you? Listen, I mean, it's as simple as this. I mean, if somebody said, you're, 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 you're a businessman, mm-hmm. somebody threw an extra, you know, $30 million at you, how do you not just say, you know what, I don't even need to know anything else about where I'm going, I'm coming. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're probably right, Jared. You're probably right. But, yeah. but I st- and you wonder, too, like, it, you know, is money going to be the only factor? Because, right, he's going to end up making good money. He is making good money at Michigan State. But then you wonder, like, what, what kind of goal does he want to be a head coach? In the SEC, right. you know, some coaches, that's what they want to do. Or maybe he wants to eventually go to the NFL. So does he see coaching at Michigan State a better route to the NFL than going to LSU, proving yourself in the SEC? So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it, it's just it's another one of those things that's funny that it's getting the, the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry arguing back and forth again about Mel Tucker. Yeah, yeah we need to keep talking about this until after the Michigan game, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Get that karma. Well, it's going to be a good one, but we are looking ahead a little bit. Michigan's got their hands full with Northwestern. Yeah, they should beat them, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than that 23.5 points, but uh, we shall see. By the way, they're playing for a new uh, new trophy. I don't know if you saw that. The George Jewett Trophy will be uh, a trophy handed out to the winner of the Northwestern Michigan game every year. He was the first African-American man to play at each school. He played for U of M in the late 1890s and uh, went over to Northwestern, got his uh, his uh, medical degree and played for a couple years for the Wildcats. So that's kind of cool they came up with a new trophy. I love the trophy games. I mean, people rip on them sometimes. Yeah. I, I think it just makes it fun. It's college football. It's fun. Have a trophy. Cool. Heck, heck yeah. All right. Well, too, Matt. I love it. Just bring more trophies, the merrier. 
Amen. Well, the Michigan will be playing Michigan State for the Paul Bunyan coming up in two weeks. Let's just hope they're both 7-0. and All right. Well, we'll be back. We'll uh, wrap up the uh, podcast. Just a little bit of talk about the NFL and the Lions right after this. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, in our pre-production meeting, we decided we weren't going to talk much about the Lions because they're just absolutely pitiful. 34 to 11. I actually took two naps in that game. Uh, it, you know, 0 and 6. I mean, they're perfect. Got to give them credit for that. But really, the only thing the only thing we can talk about with the Lions is their upcoming game Sunday against Matt Stafford. I mean, before we get to hopefully Stafford just like – showing Lions fans what, what we're missing. Amen. I can't wait for Stafford to light him up, so hopefully he does. We, we've talked about Dan Campbell quite a bit. Is it crazy, like, the, the week-to-week kind of progression? I, I still, I'm still on Dan Campbell's side. I still want to give this guy a shot. I think he's going to do, do pretty well. I don't know how well, but two weeks ago, he's, you know, still talking about toughness and you know, all that kind of stuff. Last week, uh, I guess, like, you know, two games ago is when he broke down at the press conference and he's crying and you know we, we talked about that on the last podcast it was cool to see that passion from him and then last week after after that blowout loss to the Bengals he's basically throwing Jared Goff under the bus right. and I'm just starting to wonder like is he already getting lionized I mean he played for the Lions <laughs> so like he he knows what the Lions are all about he played there for a few years but like to see him like each week it's kind of changed and like two weeks ago he's breaking down to the press conference and then last week he's basically saying Jared Goff is trash. He needs to step up. And then we're about potentially to go see Matt Stafford light him up. It's just kind of like, like we've said, the one thing with Campbell is I wonder how long his, like, passion and message and all that kind of stuff, how long it will, like, stick with the locker room. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before he was even hired how basically he's a dead man walking regardless. (laughs) I mean, we knew how horrible the roster was. How often do you see a coach make it through a rebuild? Uh, and, like, you know, end up winning a Super Bowl or even get it to a second contract. I feel like it almost never, ever happens. And a guy who basically is all about, you know, energy and, you know, the biting off the kneecaps and playing hard. Listen, these guys are NFL players. They're grown adults. They don't need that stuff. There's a reason that they're in the NFL. They don't need to be hyped up. They need to be coached, X's and O's wise. And I feel like he's going to be exposed. I hate to say it. We're, we're rooting for him. I really am. But. I just really think that he's he's a dead man walking, to, to put it lightly. I, I think he's got a couple years in him, and then we'll move on to the next guy. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And uh, the whole golf thing, you know, 
I, I need to backtrack a little bit. He did not look good last week, but I still stay. I still say for this season, he's the best quarterback they got on the roster. But the one thing I would criticize Campbell on in that game last week, I mean, he, he ran golf out there the entire game. And why not bring a backup in sometime in the second half when you know you're not going to win the game just to get him some playing time? I mean, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish when you keep, keep him out there when the game's out of reach. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, I mean, David Blau is the backup. I, I don't think anyone thinks he's the quarterback of the future. No. But neither is Jared Goff. So, right, when you're getting blown out by 30 points to the Bengals, trot him out there, see what he can do. Maybe maybe he sparks the offense a little bit. But now, I mean, injuries are really piling up with the team. They're 0-6. I, I mean, yeah, they're going up against the Rams. I, I, the writing's on the wall that the Rams are going to blow this game out. But you never know. Maybe, maybe the Lions – are motivated. Maybe Goff is motivated, wants to prove Sean McVay wrong. And, you know, I'll be curious to see how the game goes. But I don't know about you guys. I, I hope I hope Stafford goes in there, throws for three touchdowns, 350 yards, and just is dropping dimes all over the place. And doesn't have to talk trash. He can do he can do his trash talking with, with his arm, with his touchdown passes, and just move on, get the win. I, I hope I see a vintage Stafford performance. I See, I'm actually kind of the other way, Matt. I love Matt Stafford. But this is the Super Bowl for the Lions this year. <laughs> if we win this game, let's say Stafford looks terrible, am I on your side in the fact that I always was a Stafford fan and like thought we could win a Super Bowl with him? Yes, but still, just the storyline of the Lions, their first win, Jared Goff basically getting revenge on his former team. I mean, that's the storyline I want to see. I'll tell you what, those are both good takes. I, I'm kind of in the middle this time on this one. I'd like to see Stafford have a good game, but I'd like to see the Lions be real competitive in this game and make it tough. But I got a feeling that Stafford's going to light them up big time. I really do. Lions are going to be – they'll be fired up early on, but they just don't have enough talent to, to keep up with the Rams. I, I see I see Stafford throwing four touchdown passes anyway. Yeah. I you know, what do you guys think about though there's a lot of press, a lot of negative press that have just been Stafford haters for when he was on the team, there's still Stafford haters. I, I don't quite understand it. You know, I'm still seeing things on social media and also in uh, reputable publications that even the free press I think came out and said Stafford was part of the problem with the Lions and I think that is complete bullshit. You put a team around him, they could have definitely won some playoff games. It just blows my mind the disrespect he still gets from a number of people in our area. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if, you know, he was the number one pick and kind of like a golden boy type of thing, like he was supposed to come in and be the guy, kind of right. like Joey Harrington when they drafted Joey Harrington. Obviously, that didn't work out. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's like uh, people are mad at Stafford because he didn't actually turn it around or if they just don't want to face the facts and admit that, the Lions franchise is terrible, so they have to point it at someone, point yeah. it at Matt Stafford. But I don't get it either. I mean, part of it, obviously, I'm a big Matthew Stafford fan, so that that comes into play. But I, once a guy leaves a team, like why, why like waste so much time and energy on him? Why is the free press writing a story? I, I guess because the Rams are playing the Lions this week. But yeah. why, why does some of these all these media outlets still spend so much time on Stafford? Kind of like move on. He, he's on a different team. Well, you know, not only was he a good quarterback. But he was he was a Detroit Lion through and through, through all that turmoil. I mean, you never really heard him bad-mouthing anything. He just did his job. Did he win every game? No. But he sure had a hell of a lot of comebacks with that team. I mean, 
It just boggles my mind. You know, I guess that goes with the territory of being a quarterback in the NFL, though, right? Not only was he a Detroit Lion through and through, I mean, he was he was a big community member. I mean, he, he loved Detroit and did a lot for the community, yeah. too. So yeah. uh, I just don't get it. I think the root of it is really just once people have a sports take, they basically have to die on the hill. Mm. And yeah. pretty much everyone yeah. at some point in Detroit media says Stafford can't do it, Stafford's bad, Stafford will never win a Super Bowl with him. And you kind of just got to – Live with it until he proves you wrong. You're not you're 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 right until proven wrong, and until Stafford wins the Super Bowl, these guys are they're sitting they're sitting uh, calm. Yep. Well, final Lions comment. This is for the boomers that listen to our podcast. R.I.P. to Pat Studstill. He was uh, a Lions wide receiver slash punter in the mid-60s, uh, from 61 to 67. He was a Pro Bowl punter, actually, in 65. You don't ever hear of people doing double duty nowadays at a position and also doing the punting. Of course, keep in mind, in 66, I was 10 years old. Stud still caught a 99-yard TD pass against the Colts from the legendary Carl Sweetan, who had replaced legendary quarterback Milt Plum. So there's our throwback back in time in Lions football. Rest in peace, Pat Studstill. A name from my wow. past. Wow, I'd, I'd be curious how long the pass flew in the air. Was it a five-yard hitch route that he took 99 yards? <laughs> I don't think it was a very long pass, but uh, Carl Sweetan, he, Milt Plum. Think of the name Milt Plum. Does that sound like an NFL quarterback? But he he was my <laughs> quarterback as a kid, and uh, I just I hated him. And then they bring in all these other yo-yos. They could never get a quarterback. And you know, and, and you always hear me say hashtag fifty seven since fifty seven. I mean, we finally get a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and Matt Stafford again comes full circle. And then we got nothing, nothing out of it. So that's my life as a Lions fan. <laughs> yeah, and. It's, it's all of our lives. Uh, you know, we love them, but we hate them. Yep. Definitely wish that. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to be a Patriots fan? I mean, oh. wow. Or even how about a Cleveland Browns fan? Just somebody with some life. Yep. Them. We have no life. Amen, brothers. Amen. All right. Well, I think we've uh, made it through another podcast. Next week should be a fun one as we preview Michigan, Michigan State. Hopefully they both are unbeaten going into that game in East Lansing. So uh, let's just have a good rest of the week. Enjoy college football and high school football this weekend along with the pros. And let's do it up next week, boys. That sound good? Sounds good. All yeah. right. Let's call it a pod. Make sure you follow us at 3 Point Pod. Also let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking of Z92.5, our Friday game this week, October 22nd, it's the Castle Game of the Week, Ovid Elsie at Corona. Definite playoff implications in that one. And Jared, again, yep. give us your Bally Sports promo. Yep, so Friday night, it's uh, Bally Sports Plus, it is... River Rouge, who is going to be a power in D3. They lost to do it last year in 2020 uh, state finals. Division three is probably the most fun division of all of them. I mean, Muskegon, you have River Rouge, and you also have uh, DeWitt, Martin Luther King. So it's going to be a great uh, battle there. But, yeah, Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, Valley Sports Plus, Southfield A&T versus River Rouge. Awesome. All right, until next time, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your week. 
Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease and every 90 minutes someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.